It's uh, good to have the opportunity to open up God's Word with you this morning. So if you would, I'd love for you to take your Bibles out and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, we're going to be in chapter, chapter 12. I believe that's on page 456, if you have a Bible that we've provided. And as you're turning there, I uh, just wanted to remind you, or maybe, maybe inform you, uh, be in prayer. Uh, we have a, a team uh, that's made up of uh, several women from our church, one of which is a member of our campus, uh, Janine Flagg, who are working in Haiti this week. They left yesterday, and uh, so just be in prayer for them as they're uh, working in an orphanage in Haiti, helping to uh, see if there's an opportunity for our church to partner uh, there in the future. So just be in prayer for her, be in prayer for Marquise um, and, his, and the family as he's here uh, watching and caring for the kids. We know he'll do, is, will do a great job, um, but just, you know, when one of the team members is gone, it's always hard. So just be in prayer for, prayer for him. All right, how many of you in your life have ever given or received bad advice? ever been a time where you've given or received bad advice? Okay, all right. So we, we've had experience of, of advice. Well, my dad was, was a man that, that loved giving advice. Uh, he still likes giving advice to this day. And my dad is, is somewhat quirky at times um, in his advice giving. Sometimes it comes out of the blue. Uh, sometimes it comes in the weirdest moments. But there was a time uh, my dad was giving me advice. We were sitting, well, we weren't sitting. We were out in the yard working the yard. Now, when I'm talking about a yard, don't there wasn't this vast field. We live on like a quarter acre of, of land with a little strip of grass in the back. So we were laying mulch or something. We were working in the back. And, and he just, he said to me, son, and this is my dad, like when he gets to the serious conversation, he's like, son, I want to tell you something. And so I lean in with my ears all perked up. And he's like, my God, I want to just tell you something. Now, listen to what I'm about to say, because this will be very, very helpful for you later on in life. And so he's prefacing it with all of this. So I'm like, I'm really in intent on what he's going to say. And so he says, son, sometimes you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away. And you've got to know when to run. You never count your money while you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. I'm like, whoa. That's deep, Dad. Like, that is the metaphor of all life. If I can somehow just remember that, I thought my dad was this wise sage sharing these morsels of wisdom to me as we're laying out the mulch. A couple months later, we're driving in the car, and I hear the gambler come on by Kenny Rogers, and I'm like, Dad, they stole your words. So anyways, that's, that's my dad. My dad had words of wisdom, but then there were t- times my dad would come out of left field, and he would be hilarious in times when I wouldn't even pick up on the hilarity until later on in life. But the truth of the matter is, is you know, we live in a world of, of people, live in a world that's full of people that are waiting to speak into our lives. We live in this place where, where people continually want to give us advice or counsel of how we should live and the ways in which we should go, right? Like that, and, and so there's a challenge for us to, to navigate um, how, how we give counsel and how we receive counsel. And I think as we're continuing our series on friendship this morning, I want us to see that, that this is a, 
uh, a challenge that we need help in, and God's Word speaks to it. How do, we, how do we give and receive advice or give and receive counsel in our relationships? Now, as we've been talking about friendships, remember, friendships are relationships in which we entrust ourselves to other people. Or another way of, of looking at it is in friendship, what we do is we open up our lives and allow other people in. So we share in, in experiences together, we share in life together, and we grow together. There's, so there's a bond or there's a relationship where we grow together. And in this series, we've been taking a look at the, the book of Proverbs, uh, written by Solomon. So each week we've, we've been looking at some Proverbs and, and drawing out the teaching of the Proverbs, and then we've been jumping into looking at how it's fleshed out in other places of Scripture. So we're going to continue that same pattern this morning. Uh, so we're going to be looking at, at um, Solomon's words in chapter 12. And it's interesting, this morning we were also in Proverbs in Sunday school, so it's kind of neat. And we were remarking, well, I was remarking in Sunday school, that sometimes you, you can't sit down and read the book of Proverbs necessarily as you would a narrative or historical or um, even poetry in a sense. Because sometimes Proverbs is kind of like a bag full of fortune cookies, right? Like you can go to, you can jump into just a proverb and pull it out and read it, and it, it can be self-contained, a self-contained teaching in and of itself, kind of like a fortune cookie, right? Now, it's different in the sense that it's not going to give you numbers to go, like your lucky numbers or whatever, but in some way, it's, it's a way in which you can come to proverbs and still, still glean information, still glean um, ways in which God wants us to grow. So today, as we, we're going to dive into chapter 12, we're going to find insight into how do we choose our friends wisely, the, the need for us to choose our friends wisely, because our friends have influence over us. They, through the advice or the counsel that they give us, it helps direct us in the ways in which we go. So before we do, let me just pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us great instructions in how to live. Father, that you do not want us to be uninformed, but you want us to be children that know your heart, know your desire, and know your way. And so this morning, Father, as we come under the teaching of your word, may your word speak life to our very souls, to our very beings. And wherever we are this morning, whether we've come in from a hard week or a great week, exciting week or a dull week, Father, we know that your word is alive, so we pray that it would do what you desire to do in each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, as we jump into Proverbs, we're, gonna be, uh, we're not going to go sequentially through this proverb. We're going to pick a couple of Proverbs out and look at them and then see how they are lived out in uh, 1 Kings. All right, the first thing we're going to see, the first truth that we're going to see is that we need to seek counsel from friends. In our lives, we need to seek counsel from friends. Look at me in chapter 12, verse 15. Solomon writes this, he says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Basically what Solomon is saying is that we are a fool if the only voice in our lives that we listen to is our own voice. Why is he saying that? Well, it's, it's impossible for us to, to view our lives without the help of others, right? Because if we have no help of others, we will inevitably have blind spots. There are parts of our lives that we can't even see. We, so we're blinded, and we also, by ourselves, we have a way of lying to ourselves, and we also have a way of rationalizing anything. 
right? If we're left to ourselves and we have a problem and we have a situation, we can rationalize it away any way we want to so that it makes sense to us. Without a sounding board, without someone else that we have or give the right to come in and help us to see, we live a place where we are fools. It's basically what Solomon is saying. You know, God did not intend or create us to be alone, but God created us to be in relationship. We see this at the very, very beginning of Genesis when it says it was not suitable for, or it was not good for man to be alone. So what did God do after he created Adam? He soon created Eve. Why? So they could be in a relationship together. So relationships are a part of the way God has designed us. And here again, we see that in relationships, it is Uh, we need others. We need others so that we are known and so that we know other people. And so if you want to be a wise man, according to Proverbs 12, 15, and you want to do what's right, then listen to advice or listen to counsel of others. We should be in the process of seeking other people that we allow them to speak into our lives. We allow them to say, well, we go to them and we say, look at my life. Look at this situation. Look at who I am and, and know my habits. Know what, what I'm really good at. Know what I'm really bad at or where I'm weak at or where I'm strong. And then help me. That's what we're supposed to do in life. We're not to live ourselves alone by ourselves, but we are to, to live in relationships. So the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. So we should seek counsel from friends. The second truth that I want us to see comes from verse 5. And this truth is we need to choose who we allow to speak into our lives. So not only do we need to have people speaking into our lives, we must choose who we allow to speak into our lives. Because we live in a world where we're bombarded by people that want to speak in our lives, Right? TV wants to speak into your life. Radio wants to speak into your life. Internet wants to speak into your life. Your boss wants to speak into your life. Everyone wants to speak into your life, but we must choose who we allow. Look with me in verse 5. He says, the thoughts of the righteous are just. The counsel of the wicked are deceitful. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. What we see is that not all counsel, not all advice is equal. That way, that's why we must discern the counsel we receive and the counsel that we heed. Solomon distinguishes between two types of counsel. We we see here there's a way in which the counsel we receive is either going to be righteous or it is going to be wicked. It's either righteous or it's wicked. It's either right or wrong. And that which is right, he says, is just. So when you hear and receive counsel from the righteous, that counsel is just. When you receive counsel from the wicked, it is deceitful. So Solomon is telling us there's some ways in which counsel that comes to us can come from a very, very dark place. It comes from a person, but inside of that person that is, that is sending the message to us, it may come from a place of jealousy, It may come from a place where a person is seeking to do harm to us. Comes from a a place where someone wants to deter us from doing what is right. But then Solomon says there's a, a time in which righteous counsel comes from a place of love. That it comes from a place where it it cares for the one and wants what's best for the one that it is sharing to. And not only that, but this, this counsel comes from a place that leads us to the Lord, which comes 
in the package of the same care as the Lord has. So we have the ability and we have the responsibility to categorize the counsel in which we receive. As we're trying to navigate this life, we have the filters. If you have faith in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and you have the Word that helps you discern this. I'm, I'm, as I read this, I, I'm reminded of the image or the cartoons of where you have them, the main character, and as they're trying to decide what to do, you have the, the devil that shows up on the shoulder and then the angel that shows up on the shoulder, right? And you hear the voices that are speaking to the person trying to discern, making a decision. And the devil's telling them to do what's wrong, and the angel's telling them to do what's right. But we have the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong, or what is righteous and what is wicked. So not every voice we hear is good for us. Third truth is the counsel we choose impacts our direction. The counsel that we choose, so whether it's, it's righteous or it's wicked, which one we choose directs or impacts our direction. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 says this. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So counsel from a righteous friend is a guide literally means is that the counsel of a righteous friend is one that will help guide us in a godly way, will guide us towards God and guide us towards the things of God so that we act and we live like Christ and we live in a way that honors and pleases God. But the counsel of a wicked, of the wicked, leads us to disaster. Whom, whom we choose to listen to impacts our decision. And we know who we are giving the opportunity to speak into our lives, who we're really listening to by what we do. And it's very important because it, even in this world, there's, there's a way in which the counsel that we receive, not all of it is, will always direct us completely to God. Sometimes we receive counsel that sounds good, that sounds good, sounds right, it's, it's rational, it, it's, it's helpful, but if we don't look to the end of where that leads us, then we may find that good advice or good counsel that's a little bit off may inevitably lead us to disaster. So not all counsel is equal, but not also all counsels also leads us to the path where we really want to go. It's possible for us to have counsel that sounds good, that has the words of God, but may be just a little bit off. And when it's a little bit off, it can have disastrous results. In 1979, there was a, a large passenger jet that was carrying 257 people. And it was taking off from New Zealand for a sightseeing tour of Antarctica. So it was Taking off from New Zealand, the plan was to go over Antarctica, do some uh, sightseeing, and then come on back. Unbeknownst to the pilots, what had happened was someone who was helping with the navigation system ended up putting in the coordinates a little bit wrong. Actually, they were on a trajectory that was only two degrees off. And so what happens, the, the plane takes off from New Zealand. The people, 257 people on the plane are excited because they're going to Antarctica. They're going to see all these amazing sights. And because they're, they're two degrees off, by the time they get to Antarctica, that two degrees made them off course by 28 miles. They're 28 miles now off course because of a two degree change. 
And as the pilots, they, they seek to drop low as they come in over Antarctica so that people can actually see uh, the, the beautiful scenery, they didn't realize because of the snow and the wind that they were actually on course to directly come in contact with Mount Erebus. And inevitably, as by the time the instruments are going off and they're saying, warning, 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 you're about to collide with something, it was too late and the plane goes directly into the mountain and everyone dies. That's a happy story, right? But it shows the disastrous results of being just a little bit off. If we receive counsel that's just a little bit off, and it's a little bit off, and a little bit off, and we continue to follow in that path and don't allow the word of God and other godly counsel to correct us, we could go down a path that leads to disaster. Bad counsel has a way of getting us off course. Good counsel has a way of keeping us on course. So that's the teaching of Proverbs. I want us to, to now jump over and I want us to see, um, the. I want to turn our attention to see the damaging effects of choosing the wrong friends to speak into our lives. So if you've got a Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12, and I believe that's on page 252, if you have a Bible that we provided. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of background. What's taking place prior to this is the, the, the people of God, the Israel nation, has had three kings up to this point. We see it started off with Saul and then turned to David and then it was handed over to David's son Solomon. Solomon ruled under a united kingdom. It was a time in which God's people were at rest from its enemies and God used Solomon at that time to rebuild the kingdom, to repair the walls, to rebuild cities and repair cities. And Solomon, who was the wisest king, the wisest man who'd ever lived, who actually wrote Proverbs, who we just saw, we see that some of the fruits of his wisdom, in the end of his life, he, he turns from following God to following foreign gods. And God comes one day to, to Jeroboam, and says to Jeroboam, Jeroboam, because of Solomon's sin and because of the sin of the people, I'm going to tear and divide the kingdom. So Jeroboam, eventually in Kings, we see he goes on down uh, to Egypt and wait for Solomon to die. And as chapter 12 begins, we see that, or 11 ends and 12 begins, we see that Solomon has died. And now his son, Rehoboam, is going to be the next in line for the throne. And so now he's going to be king. So let's read the first uh, 10 verses of chapter 12. So it says this, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of this, for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt and they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lightened the hard service of your father, his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, go away for three days, and then come again to me. So the people went away. Then King Solomon took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, and while he was yet still alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to them, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel of the old men that they gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, 
What do you advise me that we answer these people who have said to me, lighten your yoke, the yoke of your father that he put on us. And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made your yoke heavy, but you lightened it for, you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So we see Rehoboam goes to Shechem where all the people are there ready to make him king. What I think is interesting about this is that even before there was some contest for the kingdom, but here we see that there's no one there to contest Rehoboam's kingdom. So all of Israel comes out to Shechem on this day to hear of Rehoboam as he's going to become king. But they come to him, the people come to him through Jeroboam. They say, Jeroboam, go to him and tell him, this is our request. And so Jeroboam returns and he speaks and he says, basically, will you lighten the heavy and harshness of your father? And if you do, we will serve you. So not knowing exactly how to perceive, Rehoboam actually does something that's very wise. He has a situation that he needs help with, so what does he do? He doesn't go to seek to find out what's right in his own eyes. He goes to seek counsel. That's good. So he goes and invites other people in so that they can help speak wisdom into his life. So he seeks counsel first of the elders. And it's interesting that these elders that he goes to, these older men that he goes to, are men that have served with Solomon or served Solomon. So these men had much experience. They had a lot of practice of being able to see the larger picture of how every decision impacts every other decision. You know, life is a lot like a spider web, right? As I've gotten older, I've realized that if I make this decision and I pull on this part of the spider web, it's going to have effects on other parts of the spider web. That's wisdom. And so we see these, these elders, they had that. They'd been living with Solomon, giving him advice for years, and they were able to see the whole picture. In essence, they had been there before. They'd been in situations just like this before. Maybe not exactly the same scenario, but situations like this, where the king had to deal and be in relationship with the people. It would be like, in much the same way, it would be like a couple that's struggling in marriage. Like if you're a couple struggling in marriage, where do you go for advice? Where do you go for counsel? Well, I think the best thing to do if you're in a relationship, you're struggling with counsel, you go find an older married couple that has lived life, that have gone through the challenges of life, and are still together, right? You go to them and you say, hey, this is our challenge. And they're like, hey, we got that. We've been there before. We know what this is like. Let us give you some words of wisdom. Like, that's wise, right? You wouldn't go to a friend or another couple that's actually struggling with the same thing, that's actually failing, like, You wouldn't go to them and say, hey, would you speak into my life? Tell me what I should do. So we go to those that are wise. And so that's what Rehoboam does. He goes to these older men and he says, help me to see this. Help me to to know what I should do. And the elders give him words of wisdom. These elders could see what was at the heart of the request and what was at stake. It's interesting that the people did not come to to Rehoboam and say, we are fed up with Solomon. Solomon is a man that did not follow God. He did in the beginning, but Solomon was a man of idolatry. Solomon was a man that showed rebellion against God, which was the worst thing that he could have done. The people don't go and say, this is our complaint. Instead, 
They come with their frustrations and their complaint, which was not accurate at all. They come with complaints and frustrations that are not accurate. They went to Solomon and said, Solomon was heavy and harsh. Well, we know that Solomon wasn't heavy and harsh. Under his reign, the people lived at ease and had plenty. The kingdom was not under attack by anyone under Solomon's reign. And yes, the people did pay taxes, but every tax that they paid, they benefited from. So when Solomon said, hey, we want to build this, the people were like, okay, let's pay taxes, and they benefited from it. So Solomon would come to a town, and he'd say, let's rebuild this town, and he would get taxes from it, and guess what would happen? The people received direct benefit from that. But then the things also had to be built, right? Everything that they had money for had to be built. So where did he go? Solomon wasn't going to build it himself, so he goes to the people and says, help, let's build this. And so the people worked and made money that they gave to help pay for the projects that they received the benefit from. And so in some ways, they're, 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 they're coming back, and they're, they're coming from a place where their expectations are not realistic. Their requests were off base. But the elders knew, even though their request was off base, they were saying something. They, they, they were saying something, and, and they, elders wanted to get to the bottom of what was really, what was really at their heart. So the elders give them an answer. What's, what's really at their heart? It's probably that the people have given so far much of their lives, they've seen the fact that this kingdom has continued to advance and it's continued to be established. And what they were afraid of is, is potentially this king was losing connection with the people. That he was becoming this, this king and he could become an oppressor of them. Even though Solomon was an oppressor. But if you, if you continue to divide yourself or pull yourself away from the people that you serve, then you see them as pawns or you see them as possessions, not as people that you serve. So the elders came back to him and says, hey, this is, this is what you should do. Look at me in verse 7. He says, this, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. Ever. Matthew Henry says this about the elders' advice. He says, give the people a favorable answer. Lead through serving. The way to rule is to serve, to do good and to stoop to do it, to become all things to all men, so to win their hearts. Those who are in power really sit highest and easiest and safest when they take this method. I, I, I see like a picture of Christ there, right? Is, aren't the elders telling Rehoboam to take the position of what we see Christ doing? Christ, when he comes, he says, I, I came not to be served, but to serve. Christ humbles himself. And, and we see that if you ever want to be a leader of people, the best thing you can do is to be a servant of them. Not to lord over them. But Rehoboam does not like this counsel. So he goes and poses the same situation, the same scenario to his lifelong friends. Those that really know him. But it's interesting because just because they really know him and they are his friends doesn't mean 
that they are really fit to give him counsel. That's a reality of our lives. You may have friends that are really, really close to you, that have been there with you, that have run the same roads that you have run, that have been with you throughout the journey of your life, but some of our friends are not fit to, to give counsel to our lives. And we see this from Rehoboam's friends. They weren't fit because they could not clearly see. They didn't have eyes to see the past. They didn't have eyes to see all of the history. They didn't have the eyes to see the current pressure of what was going on. They could not see what was clearly at stake. Instead, all they could see was from a place of their own pride, a place of their own self-betterment. If we look to verses 10 and 11, we see his friend's response. He says, thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lightened it for us. Thus shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than your father's thigh, and now whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I discipline you with scorpions. So Rehoboam is stuck in this place where he's receiving two separate messages. One is going to be righteous, and one is going to be wicked. Which way will he go? Now, let me give you a little piece of advice here. If if you're trying to discern between counsel from opposing counsel, not similar counsel, but completely opposing counsel, this is what I suggest, and we see it here. This is the truth. Give the counsel the righteousness test, or give the counsel what I call the Jesus test. Right? If, if the counsel that you receive has you live or encourage you to live more like Christ, then do it. If the counsel you receive causes you or leads you to live not as exactly like Christ, then reject it. Does that make sense? Like we see here, the counsel that he received from the elders is that of Christ. Be a servant. You can't go wrong if you be a servant to people. If you love them and show them you care for them, if you get to know them and their needs, then you know them. You know how to lead them. It's the righteousness test. Because you're sitting down with someone and they're like, oh, my marriage is falling apart. Should I I separate? Should I get divorced? What what should we do? My husband or my wife, they're a hard person. If you're sitting in that scenario and you're giving them advice or you're hearing advice, one that says, leave your husband... Or one that says, trust God. Like, it's, they're completely different, but which one do you choose? I encourage you to choose the one that causes you to live more like Christ. Well, let's see what Rehoboam chooses. In verse 16 through 20, we're going to see Rehoboam, Rehoboam chooses to listen to the counsel of his friends. So in verses 16 to 20, we see how the people react. It says, and when all Israel saw the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, what portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. The king Rehoboam set Adoram, who was a taskmaster, over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. 
So Israel had been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. And when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. In an instant, the kingdom becomes divided. And the peace and unity that was evident for so many years is instantly gone. And it's gone forever. Being a little wrong or being a lot wrong can have damaging effects. It can have far-reaching effects on our lives. We, as people of God, cannot mess around with the, what we allow ourselves to hear. We must be discerning. We must be wise. And I think it's important for us to look at this. It, it, how do we do, what do we do from all this? How, do we, how does this actually impact our lives and give us application today? There are a couple things. One, I want us to see, do not be afraid to seek counsel of your friends. Like, don't be afraid to seek counsel. When you're dealing with, I mean, maybe you don't need to ask your friends, should I wear a blue shirt or a red shirt today? Like, maybe you don't need to, to ask your friends that. But when you're dealing with decisions that, that have any weight to them, I encourage you to seek the counsel of friends. Solomon would encourage you to seek the counsel of friends. God would encourage you to seek the counsel of friends when you're dealing with situations. But be wise in whom you confide. Look for those that love you and desire what is best for you. Not what's best for them, but what's best for you. And then be wise to discern the counsel that they give you. Here's a good rubric you can give to yourself when you're discerning counsel. Does this advice that they are giving me lead me closer to Christ? Or does this uh, counsel lead me to live more like Christ? Is this counsel I'm receiving founded in the truth of the word? Then make the decision. Or if, if the counsel you're receiving is not found in the word, it doesn't bring you closer to Christ or help you to live more like Christ, then reject it. Reject it wholesale. Just say, nope, not going to listen to it. Then make a decision and begin to follow in that and don't be afraid to backpedal. Because it is possible at times to receive all godly counsel and all of that and, and you begin to go down this path and God says, no, then it's wise for you at that point to pull back and to go a different way. But seek the counsel of friends. The second big application of all this is as believers, as followers of Christ, as people, there will be times in our lives where some will come to us and ask to give counsel to them. Like it's inevitable, right? We should be people that seek counsel, but also some are going to come and seek counsel from us. So when we're asked to provide counsel, here's some things to remember. Don't tell people what you think. Like, don't begin the, when they come to you by saying, well, this is what I think. No one needs to hear what you think. We have a world full of people telling us what they think. Oprah will tell you what she thinks. Other people will tell you what they think. What we need to hear is what the Lord thinks and what the Lord desires. And so as people of God, we, we need to begin to see ourselves as the mouthpiece of God in people's lives. 
So that's when someone comes to you and says, hey, can I just talk to you? I really just need some help, some godly counsel on that. That should be the sign for us to immediately begin saying, okay, God, give me wisdom. Lord, allow me to be your mouthpiece in the direction of this person's life. Help me to see and help me to say what will be beneficial, what will be profitable, what will lead them closer to you, what is found in your words. Because people don't need us. They need God. So we give them the words of the Lord. That's, that's what should come out of our mouths. Like if, if you're in a scenario, in a situation, and you don't know the words of God, that, that means you need to get, spend more time in the word so that you have something to give people when they come to you for counsel. But people need the word of God. And why do I know this? Because the Bible tells us his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so you've got someone coming to you saying, I need a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And what are we supposed to give them? Not ourselves, we give them the word. We said, this is what the word of God says about your situation. We try to help, try to, to look at our friends and see their lives in the bigger, the bigger picture. We help them not just want to give them a, a short answer, but we want to help them navigate so they can step back from their situation and help them to see the bigger picture. That whichever way they choose, it, it's sending them on a direction. And maybe the direction may be only two degrees off, but inevitably those are going to end in two different places. And so we help them to see that. That should be our task. And ask them the question, which way would the Lord want you to go? That should be our advice. That should be our counsel. That's what honors the Lord. Is that helpful? That's all I got. I mean, I've got a lot more to say, but that's all the time we have this morning. So hopefully that's enough to, to send us on our way as we help navigate relationships and friendships. Uh, I'm going to pray in just a second. We're, we will be dismissed, but I want to make you aware of a couple things that are going on in the life of our, our church as an application also of this sermon series. Next week, um, as you may or may not know, we will have a special Sunday. Uh, we're calling it Bring a Friend Sunday. Uh, what we're encouraging you to do in myself to do, is to think about people in your life that God has placed around your life that are not meaningfully connected to a church. Maybe you know some coworkers or neighbors that are believers, but they're not currently going to church. So I want to encourage you to do is to think about them and then invite them to come to church next Sunday. Or maybe you know someone that, that uh, you really don't know where they stand spiritually. Maybe they are a non-believer or whatever. We want you to target those people too and ask them, say, hey, would you come to church next Sunday? So next Sunday, the, the sermon is um, going to be about God being our friend or Jesus is our friend. And so uh, you want to invite people to come. They will hear the gospel next Sunday. Uh, it's not going to be in your face, over the top, pray this prayer, fill out this card. We're not going to do that. Um, but instead, we're going to give your friends an opportunity to hear the gospel. And then after church, uh, we're going to head over to Loma Coffee, and we're going to have a time of fellowship. Uh, so you get a chance to continue to talk with your friends. And this is what I encourage you to do. If your friends come next Sunday and they come with you to Loma, use that time to introduce them to other people. But then also use that time to just say, well, what did you think about the message today? How did, it, how did it impact you? Or, or what did you think? And then give them an opportunity just to respond. That's, that's a safe place for that. Uh, and they're coming right off it, so it'll be fresh. It's not like you're not asking them what the preacher preached on two weeks ago. No one remembers what I preached on two weeks ago because I wasn't here. Get That's a joke. Anyway, 
So, so come next Sunday, invite your friends, and uh, let's continue to, to grow in that. The second thing I want to make you aware of is the following Sunday, the 18th, there are two things going on. One, during our Sunday school hour, if you have a desire to work with kids, uh, we will have a, a time of child protection training. And so it's not laborious, it's actually fun and informative. So if you'd like to come, that's when you come. If you'd like to help serving with our children on our nursery, you need to go through the training anyway, so it's a good idea to be a part of that. And then second of all, right after we get done at 12 o'clock uh, next Sunday, the DCCA, there's information in your bulletin about this, the DCCA is, is going to be open up for one of their family um, art afternoons. Um, and so you can come, plan on staying, bring a lunch, or go grab lunch and then come back uh, and uh, just be a part of this event that the DCCA is, is hosting. It's a part of Peace Week, and Peace Week is put on by an organization uh, that's looking at trying to, to develop ways in which we can have open conversation and be a more peaceful community. So there's lots of events. So if you'd like to learn more about Peace Week, I think there is information in your bulletin. You can go look at all the events. But one of the events they're going to do is here. And so what a great way for us to show our love for the DCCA and, and support one of the things that they're doing in a way of saying, hey, they're, they're wanting to connect families together. We care about families. So wouldn't it be great for, for our people to show up and be a part of that? Isn't that cool? All right, I'm going to pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, oh, thank you uh, for just your loving grace in our lives. Thank you uh, for your word and the way it does meet us where we're at. And Father, I pray as we, we go from this place today that as we give counsel uh, to those around us, Father, I pray that uh, we would give the words of truth, uh, that there would be less of us and more of you in the words that we say. But Father, also as we are challenged with the, the difficulties of life or the decisions of life, may we be bold enough, may we be brave enough to ask others for advice. And may you just continue to allow our fellowship uh, to grow together uh, in relationship, but also help us, Father, as we seek this week to look for others that we can invite to be a part of what you're doing here. God, be, go with us today. In Jesus' name we pray.